Let us pray. Spirit of God, you who inspired the writing of God's word, you who inspired the reading of God's word, help us now as we seek to interpret that word for us today and may it become for us a new and a spirit-filled word for us in this time and in this place. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I wonder why Jesus and his disciples found themselves at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. Perhaps it was a relative, friend or neighbor who was getting married. Well, whoever it was, Jesus and his disciples had got an invitation. But it would seem that the wedding organizers had seriously underestimated the amount of wine that would be needed or they'd seriously underestimated the consumption of those who'd been invited. Because Jesus' mother had to call on her son to put right what would have been a very embarrassing situation. But Jesus seems quite reluctant to get involved. My time has not yet come, he protests, a bit like a grumpy teenager but like most good Jewish boys, in the end, he does what his mother tells him. And more besides. He arranges for an enormous volume of water to be gathered into six huge stone water jars, each holding up to 30 gallons. And John makes a point of telling us that they are the kind used for Jewish rites of purification. And then the amazing discovery is made. The water has been turned into the very finest of wine. Now this seems a very strange thing for Jesus to do. To turn so much water into wine for no more apparent purpose than for people to have far more than a really good time at a wedding feast. It certainly wouldn't be a good example to set today in our binge drinking culture and probably wasn't the right message to give to people then either. But that's if we just take it at face value. And with John's gospel, we should never take anything at face value. As ever in John's gospel, there's a lot more going on below the surface, whether it's the surface of water or of wine. John gives us in this account a series of clues which indicate deeper meaning to this incident than a superficial display of divine power in turning vast quantities of water into wine to be consumed at a wedding feast. So what are these clues that lead us to getting deeper meaning out of this story. 
Well, the first important clue is given in the opening words of the passage. On the third day. That speaks of when this incident took place. But I wonder if those words resonate with you in some particular way. For me, they bring to mind those words in the creed. On the third day, he rose again. And that, I believe, is exactly the link that John wants us to make. It may be Twelfth Night, but John wants us to turn our minds to Easter and to think of what happened on the third day, the third day after Jesus had died. Early on in the life of the Christian church, the third day quickly became a shorthand term for the day on which Jesus rose from the dead. Or, to put it another way, the first day of the week. And it was on the first day of the week, of course, that God had begun the work of creation, bringing light out of darkness. And John clearly has the story of creation in mind when he begins writing his gospel. In the beginning was the word. He starts off by saying, as I'm sure you'll remember from carol services you've been to not long ago, reminding us in those words of the account in Genesis chapter 1, how God spoke in the beginning and creation in all its varied forms came into being. And John goes on in the prologue or introduction to his gospel to speak of Jesus as the one in whom is life. Life that is the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, he goes on to write. But the darkness has not overcome it. So John wants us to see Jesus as the one through whose life, death, and resurrection, a new creation will come about. A new life will be given. And John is telling us that this life is available to us right now. That is the first message of significance, I think, that comes from Jesus turning water into wine. The finest of wine stands for the new life that comes about when we are changed by God into a new creation. Healing can be a step for us on the path to new life, leading us to a wholeness of life that makes us into a new creation. And I don't think it's any coincidence that God has been saying to some of us in our healing prayer team that he has a vision for our ministry that is pictured in terms of new wine and also new wineskins. The vast measures of water that are here turned into wine demonstrate how much God, in his love, pours out his life upon his people in abundance and with extravagance. Just as Jesus would later come and lay down his life freely and wholeheartedly upon the cross. Hence, the huge amounts of water Jesus asks for 
and which he transforms into the best of wine. With God, there is no fear of the new life ever running out or being exhausted. A new life is therefore something to celebrate, just like a marriage between a man and a woman who come together to form a new life. The two becoming one flesh and becoming a new creation. So the first clue to understanding this incident is, I believe, all about when it took place on the third day. And it's about the new life that Jesus can bring to all of us, whoever we are, through the power of his life, death, and resurrection. Well, if the first clue is to be found in when all this took place, the second clue, I think, is to be found in where it took place, at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. I don't think the place of Cana itself is really terribly significant, but the context, the setting is a marriage, a wedding feast. John makes it clear in his gospel that Jesus has come among us to bring together what has been pulled apart in our humanity by sin, evil, and death. Jesus is the one who comes down to earth from heaven to bring us the life of heaven, and so to raise us up from earth to heaven with him. As a modern hymn puts it about Jesus, the gift of life to earth from heaven. Jesus is the one in whom the divine and the human are fused together, the one in whom flesh and spirit unite. That's the nature of the abundant life God offers in Jesus, a marriage of the earthly and the heavenly, the divine and the human, the flesh and the spirit. And as we take on that life, so our humanity becomes transformed like water turned into wine. And we become what St. Paul calls a new creation, where the old has passed away and the new has come. For me, that has always been a gradual, lifelong process, as I guess it has been for many of you too. We are constantly being changed more into the likeness of Jesus if we stay close to Jesus. Although sometimes when I stray and behave in ways that I feel ashamed of, it does feel a bit more like two steps forward and three back. And yet for other people, like Paul on the Damascus Road, the change to becoming a new creation can be powerful, dramatic, and almost instantaneous. Whether it happens slowly or speedily, that change suggests the ultimate purpose of God's healing love. Because God's purpose in bringing us healing isn't just to secure sick bodies. God's purpose in bringing healing into our lives is that God wants to make us whole. Whole not just in body, but whole in body, heart, mind, 
and spirit. God wants to change and transform our lives so that he may turn us and others into those people of the new creation that he envisages that we can become, even though we may not be able to see it for ourselves. John is telling us through this setting of a wedding at Cana in Galilee why Jesus has come into the world and what Jesus' life and ministry is really all about and how it can impact upon your life and my life too. Enabling God's life to become an increasing part of your life and my life. Enabling the image of God in you and in me to grow and develop so that we become ever more like Jesus. Later on in John's Gospel, Jesus would sum up the purpose of his coming to earth in this very simple statement when he said, I have come that you may have life, life in all its fullness. So then, on the third day is the first clue when this all took place. The second clue is where it took place, at a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. But both point to the deeper meaning in John of bringing to us God's new life, the new creation that God wants us to become. And the third clue, I think, to understanding this amazing story is how John describes this event of turning water into wine. He calls it the first of his miraculous signs by which Jesus revealed his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And a sign by which his disciples came to believe in him. I think John uses the word sign because he doesn't want us to get too awestruck by the event itself of turning water into wine. In the same way as we might be amazed by a, a clever conjuring trick or some form of illusion. For John, it isn't the miraculous power of Jesus that is most important, but rather having a faith in who Jesus is, the Son of God, descended from heaven, the Word made flesh, who has come to dwell among us on earth. John wants us to see beyond the miracle, to capture the glory of God seen in Jesus. That's why John uses the miracle as a sign, pointing us away from the miracle itself to the one who performed it, that we might place our trust in him. So if, as I believe, this story is all about how God through Christ wants us to become a new creation and longs for us to grow more in that divine image that is in each of us, then that requires that we have faith in Jesus for who he is, rather than simply to be dazzled by the works that he performs. This relationship with Jesus is meant to be a lifelong affair, rather like a marriage, in fact. And that's a relationship like marriage that is rooted in love 
and in trust. The turning of water into wine at Cana is a sign pointing us to Jesus and to a deeper love and trust with him each and every day of our lives. So then, three clues to understanding the purpose of this event at Cana. The when, the where, and the what. On the third day, at a wedding feast, and the first sign leading to faith in Jesus. I wonder if this incident is a sign for you too. If this amazing story at the marriage feast in Cana on the third day prompts you to think how Jesus might change your life just as he turned water into wine. At the start of a new year, when we are full of good intentions and resolutions, what might you want to ask of Jesus? It may be that you want simply to seek from him healing of body, or of heart, or of mind, or of spirit, and that's why you're here tonight. Or it may be that you see ways in which you would like your life to alter course in 2019. Ways in which, looking back over the past, you've seen a need to change, to be different, to grow, to develop to gain greater wholeness of life. And maybe you've come to realize that you can't do that on your own, that you need the help of Jesus each and every day walking with you to enable you to do that. Or you might want to bring before Jesus the situations and circumstances of life that confront you in these early days of this new year. The things in your life where you want Jesus to make a difference because, to be quite honest, you don't really know where to start and you don't really know how you can influence those situations or circumstances or people yourself. And so you may want to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, help me. Show me the way. Point me in the right direction. Give me some pointers as to how I should deal with this as to how I should go, what I should do next. Whatever you seek from Jesus at the start of this new year, let me encourage you to reach out to Jesus, even if you only have a, a tiny bit of faith. But with that bit of faith, ask him to make the difference you want him to make in your life. And maybe then, in time, as the weeks and months of the year unfold, you'll look back and perhaps start to become rather surprised at the outcome, at how far you've traveled, at the difference that Jesus has made in your life, at situations that have changed, sometimes quite inexplicably. You might be as surprised and astounded as the steward at the wedding feast was when he tasted the water, now turned into wine. And if that's the case for you, as it is for me, then let's turn to God in prayer. Let's pray.
creator God, you make all things new. Grant that you may, through the life Jesus gives us, make us a new creation. People whose lives are transformed from water into wine. And so may we discover that abundant life which you lavish upon us to make us whole, to turn us into the people you want us to become, that new creation, to present to us the gift of life from earth to heaven by, placing our, by us placing our trust in Jesus. And Lord, in our turn, may we then share that life with others too and point them in the direction of him who came to bring life, life in all its fullness and to make all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we stand to sing the hymn in which we sing in each verse that line, the gift of grace to earth from heaven. Speak in the stillness, God we pray. <laughs>